1: Hey there, Knicks fans! How you doing? It's your boy John the Macri with you for another episode
2: of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, as you know, if you have been paying attention, I'm not here right now. No, this is this is not this is not some uh, mind mind f.
1: Uh, I'm on vacation in Florida, hopefully enjoying some sun maybe a little sand i don't i don't know uh certainly a cocktail uh definitely hope to be enjoying a cocktail right now uh wherever i am uh but i am recording this pre-recording this as it were on friday afternoon uh friday february 17th so yeah apologies if uh you're still waiting to hear the the much uh, anticipated reaction to Julius Randall's All Star performance, uh, or Quentin Grimes' Rising Stars. I mean, surely he's going to win the Rising Stars MVP. Do they still? I'm assuming they still give a Rising Stars MVP. Uh, perhaps some Sims dunk contest reactions. Uh, yeah, you're not going to hear any of that right now, um, but you will at some point. Uh, probably pretty soon. At the end of the week, it would be my would be my guess um when we're when we're back in the full swing of things anyway uh yeah it's just me right now and like i said recording this before the all-star festivities and this is a mailbag episode so hell time today uh, i knew i wanted to get one more episode kind of in the in the docket that's not the right word uh in the in the bin Bin sure. Let's go with Bin. One more episode in the in the bin that we could run next week and uh, put out a question, a call for questions on Twitter. Of course, Next Nation did not disappoint. So I glanced at some of these as I was getting ready, getting set up, and whatnot. Uh, I have not given a ton of thought to any of them, although I've given a slight amount of thought. So hopefully, this will not be me fumbling through searching. For answers, um, and I'm just going to go in order in which these questions appear on my um, like the responses to the uh, the initial call for questions. So there's not going to be much rhyme or reason to why they they are in the order that they are. Apologies if it seems a little jumbled that way, but we're going to work our way through it. Okay, so just looking right here, first question from Johnny Bones. Would replacing Obi with Kevin Love make this team better? Uh, my inclination is to say yes. I don't know if that's the right answer, but my inclination is to say yes. Um, I think, uh, Kevin Love obviously has a much longer track record as a shooter. Um, I think Obi. I, I mean, I don't know which one of those two is the better defender right now. I don't. I don't know. I don't even know how relevant that is because I, I think. Playoff basketball, you know, you're probably not wanting to push those guys past 12 or 14 minutes uh, anyway, and you're only going to be playing them against lineups where you feel like there's not going to be someone out there. Although playoff basketball, I mean, there aren't a ton of lineups out there that 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 give you safe landing spot. Not to say that Obi is someone that needs to be hidden on defense. I guess I'm actually talking myself into Obi being a, defend, a better defender or a more reliable defender than Kevin love at this point in his career, but Kevin love also like rebounding. He gives you, he's still an elite rebounder. Um, he's just such a smart player. He's so savvy. Um, just because he's gotten so many minutes and has so much experience in the league. I think Obi is on track to be a super savvy, super smart player, but he's still a third year guy. So I don't think he's quite there yet in the way that Kevin love is there. um, Yeah, short answer is, does Kevin Love make the team incrementally better? Maybe a little bit more than incrementally better? Sure. Is it good enough that I am taking Obi out of the rotation and signing Kevin Love? Uh, Absolutely not. 100% no. No, 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 no. Besides the fact that it sounds like Kevin Love is going to go sign with Miami. Okay. Uh, Fritz Alcindor Jr., which player on the Knicks, if injured, would be the biggest loss? Could the Knicks win a series without them? You know, it's funny. There was a point in time a couple of weeks ago where I might have answered Mitchell Robinson to this question. Um, I think there are several answers that you can talk yourself into being the right answer, but I also think this is a question
2: where it's like, "Hey, let's not overthink it." Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson is the right answer. With with
1: a tip of the cap to Julius Randle. And that's going to sound like a shot at Obi Toppin. And it might be a little bit of a shot at Obi Toppin. Um, I just, not to say that a different version of this team couldn't succeed with Obi in Randall's place. I do think there's probably a version of this team with this roster that could find success. I just, I wonder how big the adjustment period would be. So I do think Randall would be a huge loss. Um, I think quickly would be a huge loss. Um, Mitch obviously, despite the fact that they have survived, I think Mitch, is, you know, shows himself to be a, a huge loss. But like, what are we, what are we even talking about here? It's Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's the engine. He's the straw that stirs the drink. He's the he's the guy that gives you confidence that they're not going to blow a game at the end of a close game. Um, he directs the off. I mean, it's, it's Jalen Brunson. We don't, we don't need to ex- expand on that anymore. Okay. This is a question I did see before Kevin Danishevsky. What is your favorite next season and why I'm going to try not to go on for too long about this. Cause I could, I could sit here and I could talk about this, the answer to this question for half an hour. It's a tough question for me to answer because the two seasons that there are three seasons that come to mind as contenders for this. And those three seasons are the We Here season two years ago, the 2012-13 season, and then the 98... or Sorry, not 98, 99, because they didn't play games until 1999 started in January. So the 1999 season. Here's why they're all flawed answers.
2: The We Here season was amazing, but it was amazing because the team was obviously so little
1: was expected of it. And then they started to play pretty good ball and they were a feisty story for two, three months. And then the nine game winning streak happened. And it's like, Oh my God, we hear, you know, hashtag, but that season also coincided with like a lot of professional growth for me personally. And for Nick's film school, like we started interacting. I started interacting with, with fans after games that season, it was the moment that I feel like Nick's film school kind of got for me, at least, it felt like Nick's Film School like got put on the map in a, in a different way than it had before. The
2: 2012-13 season is certainly a great one for all the reasons that anyone who experienced that season
1: remembers. Got off to the hot start, had a really strong finish, won a playoff series, which was nice, all that stuff. But again, the reason why that season sticks out perhaps also in my mind is because it was a season I started dating my wife and we watched a ton of games together. We had a spot, a little bar in long
2: Island called, Oh my goodness gracious. This place was a dumpity dump of a bar. Was it called the moonlight pub? I want to say it was like, it was on like one, one of the major roads in long Island. I think it was
1: called moonlight pub or moonlight, moonlight pub. Let's go moonlight pub. And we were going, we watched, um, we watched Steph Curry's 54-point uh, game there. We watched the the OKC game there, where like there were some just insane shots down the stretch. I think that game might have went into overtime. Jr. Smith hit like a 30-some odd foot three. A um, couple other games that, that I remember we watched there. So like again, there's a there's a carryover, and then the last answer is the '99 season. Except here's the thing about the '99 season: the '99 season itself, the regular season sucked. That was not a fun season. That team finished. I think they finished twenty-seven and twenty-three. Like they were not good. It was a lot of aggravation. It was a lot of consternation, and the team was. I mean, talk about some unwatchable basketball. How many? Go back and look at the box scores if you want from that year. Ooh, goodness gracious! But the postseason run was. I mean, just beyond magical. Um, it was a. It was a. It was a fairy tale ride. Um, Or a fairy tale story, magic carpet ride. I combined two analogies of the three of the three. I'm going to go with the 2012, 13 season, just because like, I remember I have so many specific memories. I remember the season opener against Miami waiting on a, I listened to that whole game, waiting on a gas line for, for gas. Cause it was right after, uh, what was it, Sandy. And then I remember where I was for like every one of those playoff games and a lot of games in between all good stuff. And they were, yeah. So 2012, 13, um, just had asks, can Tibbs fans come out of hiding now? Or do we still have to pretend that he needs to be let go, even though he's been successful. Anytime the team gives him what he needs. Um, it's not just this team. It's he's been successful. Anytime any team has given him what he needs, but you know what? In fairness, I think you could say that about a lot of coaches. Um, I look, I'm not going to sit here and wax poetic about Tibbs. That is, Positivity, the last thing anyone <laughs> wants to hear. I've done it enough, enough for a lifetime.
2: Um, I think here's what I'll say. I think here's the happy medium. The happy medium is if you are
1: a Tibbs critic and someone who believes like his faults outweigh his positives, you could at least sit back and like, look at what the season has become and what he's what the team is this season and say, like, OK. Maybe he's not the the forever coach. But he's a good coach for right now. He's a good coach for this team right now. And, you know, we're, we're, we should be happy we have him. Uh, and I think that's, again, that's a happy compromise. Uh, Manti Python, who was your favorite current Nick and what year did he graduate from Villanova? My favorite. favorite current Nick. The two, there were two answers for me here, and it's Brunson and quickly. I think I have to go with Brunson. I think I have to go with Brunson. What year? What year did Brunson graduate from Villanova? Was it 2000? He left after his junior year, didn't he? I think. Um, but whatever. It, it's it's Jalen Brunson. I I mean, watching Jalen Brunson do things that like like just make the shots that he makes, like Melo did that. Melo did that. He did that for several years here. That was fun. But there was also this feeling like, you know you. I'll just admit myself, I don't know if this is a correct or or incorrect emotion to have had while watching Melo, but there were a lot of years where I'm like, man, it's great seeing him make these shots, but I wish he passed the ball a little bit more. And I don't have that with Brunson as much. Is that because Brunson you know, also gets gets six point whatever assists per game? Uh, Is it just because it's new and fresh and maybe a year or two from now, I'm going to be feeling like, okay, pass the ball a little bit more. Is it because I just feel like Brunson needs to do a little bit more for this team. I don't know. I don't know if it's fair or unfair, but it's Brunson's the answer. Gizzle asks, which makes more sense swapping Hart into the starting lineup for Grimes or RJ, which would you choose? And which do you think Tibbs chooses? I would leave the starting lineup as is. If I was, we talked about this on the pod with Jeremy, if forced, I would sub out, um, heart for RJ just because I think they need Grimes quick trigger and just quickness in general like he's a quick decision maker quick mover um, and I his defense in the starting line all of those things I think we need all that in the starting lineup so I would sub him out for RJ uh, I do not think Tibbs would choose either um, either I think he's going to keep the starting lineup the way it is and if forced if Tibbs was forced to make a change to the starting lineup I think he would choose the same. I think he would sub out hard for RJ. Ewing one, three, five, seven asks, are the Knicks no longer a rebuilding team, not evaluating our lottery pick, not using the draft to acquire talent seem like acceptable, expected paths. These seem like moves of an established club thoughts. So I feel like we haven't talked about this a while. I definitely, this is a conversation that I had um, at times earlier this year in terms of like the Knicks being one of the few and like there are there were teams that entered this season as clear like we're going for it contenders and then there were um, teams entering this year where it's like okay they're either clearly tanking or maybe they surprise for a little bit and then they go they end up going the other direction and then there was the NBA's middle ground and to me looking at this year Rightly or wrongly, the NBA's middle ground felt smaller than ever before. It feels like usually there's maybe 10 to 12 teams in the middle ground. This season, it's like, okay, who is it? It's the Knicks. It's the Hawks. And the Hawks actually probably probably shouldn't have even been in there, but let's put the Hawks in there, too, before the season. Wizards, let's say Raptors,
2: Bulls, um, Kings. Blazers, am I missing anybody? Yeah, so and even like I, I don't know,
1: that's really it. And so it's like, what did I name seven teams? I, I think there's been some obvious separation between the haves and the have nots within that group that I
2: just named. But here's the this is this is a this is a path of their choosing, and I think.
1: Again, we've danced around it all season or not danced around it. We've talked about it openly all season. Like they've, they've, they've told us what path they're going to pick. They're going to continue trying to win games, trying to be as good as possible. And then when the tr- proper trade becomes available for a star, they're going to make it. Does it mean they're an established club right now? Does it mean they're a contending team right now? Does it mean that they have all of their necessary pieces right now? Absolutely not. Um, and no to those other questions. But it does mean they have a very clear path that they want to take. And they're going to try to take that path um, when the opportunity
2: presents itself. And as a result of that path that they have cho- chosen, they are not operating anything like a rebuilding club. Um, and I would argue they didn't operate like a rebuilding club last year or I quite frankly, the year before that,
1: like they went out and traded for Derek Rose and didn't move Julius Randall. Rebuilding club trades Julius Randall and doesn't trade for Derek Rose. and the whole thing so they haven't they haven't acted like a rebuilding club in a in a while since pre Leon Rose okay JK if Leon and co were intent on moving RJ and upgrading the starting small forward position this offseason who would be the perfect target so to me perfect target implies realistic target and um, it's funny uh, let me see if I could pull this up real quick uh the someone asked me a question earlier on um uh to in uh, uh to the Knicks film school uh gmail account as a potential podcast mailbag question and i answered it there i'm going to bring it up up here and the question was if you replaced rj with you know an an all-star level wing would this team be a championship contender and my answer was yes and the reason i'm bringing it up now is Who would be the perfect target? So in my estimation, if you replaced RJ with the following players, this team would be a contender. Jason Tatum, Kawhi Leonard, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. Again, not in any particular order. And then the two borderline ones I have are Paul George and Jimmy Butler. So to answer this question, who would be the perfect target? And thanks, uh, Matt Smith, for the question to the um, email account. Tatum is not realistic. Devin Booker is not realistic. Kevin Durant is not realistic. Jimmy Butler is going to be thirty-four years old, and for as much as I would, God knows, oh my God, would I love to watch Jimmy Butler on this team, uh, it I just I mean he's Jimmy Butler, uh, too old, too old. Too, your timeline gets cut too short. That leaves the two Clippers guys. I mean, I what I again? What what do the Clippers do if they like lose the in the play-in this year, or like get smoked in the first round? Like, do the, are they just going to run it back? Or are they going to try to? Trade, they get access to another future first-round pick this summer that they could trade plus two swaps, so they can make a big trade. But are they going to further, you know, dig dig out their own grave with this core? Like, I I don't know what they do. So to me, one of those two options feels realistic. Of the two, it's funny. I actually think it's an interesting debate because Kawhi, like, he just just doesn't play games. Um, Is he the better player when healthy? Yeah, he's the better player when healthy, but it doesn't. He doesn't play games. So there's a part of me that actually wants to answer Paul George as like the ideal trade target. Um, so that would be my answer to that question. Uh, Joyless division asks, as you've said, it seems like RJ is another RJ trade question. It seems like RJ could very well be dealt this offseason. other than Levine and Ananobi. Who do you see as possible targets for an RJ centric trade package? Um, so this, I'm going to shift to like, what do I think is the most Likely because I have a whole newsletter coming out for uh, this week. It may actually be already out by the time you're listening to this, in which I go through literally every possible trade target in the league, not just not specifically RJ-centric packages. I don't even get into the packages. I just get into like who could I see becoming available. If you're asking me like the most realistic, I think it's towns. It's Carl Anthony Towns because Minnesota. Like again, I don't know if they're going to have enough data for them so enough internal data for themselves to make themselves happy with like, okay, we feel like we know what this core will be moving forward. Or we, 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 we feel like we know enough to know that this team is not going to get to the promised land as currently constructed. We need to make another move. The move is towns. That's obvious. Cause they're not getting anything for go bear and they're not, they're not trading Anthony Edwards. And the, the time to do it is now. Like it's not again. If they make that internal decision, why? Why wait? Trade towns now. Get the biggest package you can. And I think the Knicks would be in on that. And I think RJ, like, why? Why wouldn't? Why can't RJ work next to Anthony Edwards? I don't. I don't see any reason why not. Um, Gobert, you know, good good guy for RJ to pair with uh, as a screen and dive guy, offensive rebounder, the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, I, I to say, do does that mean I want Carl Anthony Towns on the Knicks? Uh, no, that is not to say that, to be very clear. OK, um, no more cam talk. I swear I didn't make that Twitter name up. Do you think the Knicks will roster at least one of their potential first round picks from this upcoming draft? If so, what player archetype should they be looking for? Um, so in terms of what, so let me just start by saying,
2: I don't, I don't, I have not been right (laughs) about forecasting
1: their roster in terms of like going into each of the last three years. I'm like, well, clearly they're not going to have room for this or that, or, you know, such player because they have all these other guys here. And then it turns out that, like, oh, yes, they absolutely do have room because whether it's a Fournier falls out of the rotation or a Derrick Rose falls out of the rotation or, you know, um, shit goes haywire last year or like even the year before that, you know, like, you know, Reggie Bullock emerged. I mean, remember like pre training like or in training camp before the We Here season, we weren't even sure like Reggie Bullock was going to play a big role and he ended up playing like one of the biggest roles for the team. So like to sit here right now and be like, oh, they're, they are going to have room in the rotation for, someone or they're not, I think is a little, it's premature. My gut feeling is the answer is no. And I think they're only going to wind up with the Mavs pick. And I don't think that they will roster that player. I think they will trade that somehow, some way. I think they will trade that pick. That is my gut feeling. I could be wrong. My gut feeling right now with so much uncertainty is that they will not roster that, that player. I kind of hope I'm wrong. It would be great if they could continue getting an influx of young talent, you know, Um, but we'll, we'll see. Cause eventually the cover is going to run dry, but if they did roster the player, what player archetype should they be looking for? I mean, that also depends on like what else they do just just, in an NBA, a a two way, as close as you come to getting like a two way multi-positional player. That's all, you know, like, you know, it you know was a great archetype for them to have drafted Jalen Williams on OKC and they traded the pick so they couldn't draft him like somebody like that will be great. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that person is going to be available. And again, I don't think they're going to keep the pick.
3: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about ExpressVPN. Now, I want you to think about a time you searched for something online that you wouldn't want those around you knowing about. No, not that! Oh my gosh, no, I was not referring to that. I meant something basketball related, like when I'm around Macri and I want to look up how much the Knicks would still owe Tibbs if they fired him tomorrow, or when I'm around Mensa and I want to see how easy it would be to trade R.J. Barrett, or when I'm around Jeremy and I want to see what a max contract for Carmelo Anthony would cost in 2023. Well, I know most of you are probably thinking, why don't I just use incognito mode? Let me tell you something. Incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browser history. Your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. It doesn't matter what your internet service provider is. In the US, they can legally sell your information to ad companies. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so nobody can see the sites that you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the Background and is so easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is even available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. Don't hesitate. Visit this exclusive link, expressVPN.com/slash filmschool, and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Again, that's EXPRESS. VPN.com slash film school for an additional three months free on a one year package. Knicks
1: fan 180. Who do you see as a realistic trade target this offseason to help the Knicks make the next jump? So, this is kind of a, a third version of a question that I've already kind of answered twice. I will just say that the way this question is phrased to help the Knicks make the next jump, again, unless something goes haywire with the Clippers really haywire with the Clippers, I don't see I don't see a trade out there that I for me I would consider as like it's good because like yeah could they could they possibly might they possibly trade for Carl Anthony Towns this summer? Absolutely. To me the next jump is your move because right now we're sitting here talking about a Knicks team like hey could they win a first round series if they get the right matchup the next jump to me is like maybe not legit contender, like inner circle contender, but like, hey, if things broke right, could we be talking about a conference finalist? That to me is the next jump. And like, you're no longer like a major star away from being a real contender. You're like maybe a, a big tinkering or a big tinker here or there. You're an OG and an OB away from being a contender something like that, right? Like, can you be... Cleveland or, you know, next year or like a Memphis, like not those exact, the way those teams are put together, but just in terms of expectations for those teams and what we think that they're capable of. Um, And I don't see it unless something really goes haywire with the, with the Clippers situation, I I guess to throw just one more out there. Let me give, can give you at least one more. I mean, I'm, I'm always going to be having my eye on Philly. Always going to be having my eye on Philly. Perpetually, until they either win it all or they decide to blow it up. Um, I, mm, Brandon Ingram is a name that I would keep an eye on. I would keep an eye on Brandon Ingram. Why not? Jonas Plout, if you could take one starter and one bench player from teams that are currently outside the top 10 in each conference, oh my God, and insert them into the next line of rotation, who would you choose? One starter and one bench player from teams that are currently outside of the top 10? All right. Um and currently insert them into the Knicks lineup rotation. Man, this is a good question. Um okay well, this is cheating, but uh LeBron
2: James.
1: <laughs> LeBron James is my answer for who I who would I which starter would I insert into the Knicks lineup rotation? There's a guy. He could he might make the Knicks, this version of the Knicks a contender this year, right now. Right the hell now. Swap him out for RJ. There you go. Um and one bench player. Um, hmm, that's a good one. Um, so it has to be a it has to be a bench player from one of the teams that are outside the top ten. It's not like someone that would be coming off our bench. It has to be someone that is currently coming off a bench for another team. Uh, man, I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say. Is Alec Burks the right answer? I think Alec Burks might be the right Alec Burks or Buddy Heald. Not Buddy. Sorry, not Buddy Heald. Um, Ben Matherin. Ben Matherin. I let's go with Matherin just because I don't need the the hate mail for selecting Alec Burks. <clears throat> uh, KK asks, what would you consider the most perfect but realistic dream offseason for the Knicks this summer? Um, I'd really be curious, again, to see what the price on getting Paul George is. Um, again, th- this is my definition of realistic. So if, if you're hearing that and you'd be like, Paul George, that's your dream center. Uh, okay. My definition of realistic, I don't think there's going to be, I just don't see a lot happening this summer at all. Um, but and honestly, like there's a world where you I might be able I, If I sat down and I really thought about that, and really, depending on what the price for getting Paul George is, there's a very real world where I would sit there and be like, you know what? The realistic dream offseason for the Knicks this summer is just hold all your cards and move on to next year and wait for a more and wait for the better star to become available. That might honestly be my answer, but just like since that's a kind of a boring answer right now, sitting here today, I would probably say if the price is right. Go get Paul George. With again a, t- a tip of the cap, a tip of the cap to Brandon Ingram. Keep an eye on New Orleans. Uh, Johan Peters uh, will quickly resign. Um, yes, I think they will extend quickly this off season. Uh, Kelv asks, should the Knicks have a mascot? No. What should it be? Nothing. <laughs> I like this question. JJ Buffone, if Tibbs had been blessed with the athleticism to play in the NBA, what current player would his play? have uh, most closely resembled? I feel like someone like Deuce is the most obvious answer, but deep down, I think he'd be more like a score for his point guard, LOL. Um, I did see this question before. The first name that came to my mind was Alex Caruso, just because he is ultimate effort, energy, little things, technically sound in every way, shape or form, made the
2: most of his abilities. He's bald. Tibbs is balding. pain in the ass to play against. Uh, so
1: Alex Caruso would be my answer. Uh, Rado asks, why do you hate Cam Reddish? Uh, I don't hate Cam Reddish. I don't hate anybody in basketball or the world. I just have skepticism about Cam Reddish's ability to be a part of a team that wins at a very high level. Um, unless he changes things around with how he approaches the game, um, which we'll see. Maybe he does that. I hope he does. Frank! What's up, Mac? It's your boy Frank from Patreon. If Tibbs, I like this question. I saw this one before too. If Tibbs is forced to sit RJ down in a meaningful fourth quarter, in meaningful fourth quarter minutes down the home stretch and in the playoffs, how will that impact their offseason plans in trading for a star player? So, my assumption at this point, just my assumption. And the next question by the way, Matt, if you were Leon, what would you do about RJ
2: Barrett? I I am of, I am I am of a few assumptions right now. Assumption number 1. The Knicks are would like to <clears throat> do what they tried to do last summer,
1: which is parlay RJ Barrett into a star. I think there is an interesting discussion to be had about RJ's current perception/valuation around the league. I th- also think that at this point, and this is not to say that there are, would not be teams who would look at RJ Barrett and be like, we can we can get everything out of him that the Knicks haven't been able to get. There's a ceiling there that I think has escaped the Knicks and will not escape us because he's a worker. He cares about the right things. He's about the right things. The things that he's not doing well now or that he's just not doing now, period. We've seen him do before. We've seen all the pieces. Um, it's just about putting them together and getting them more consistent. I think there are a team or teams out there who would look at him and say they're that they're like and believe that. I do not think anyone is going to pay the premium like on that evaluate on that valuation. I think they are. No one. Is, everyone's going to look at him and and this is to, to answer the question directly. Like if he did like if if like I don't think Tibbs would ever do this, but if it was like an El for Peyton situation where game two against the Hawks, you know, Peyton went to the bench and eventually was like mothballed, I don't think you know Tibbs isn't doing that, but like if if we're in the play if we're in round one of the playoffs and like RJ starts out and he's having one of these games and Tibbs yanks him, you know, six minutes into the first quarter or five minutes into the first quarter, maybe gives him two, three, four minutes. Before halftime, first three, four, five minutes after halftime, and you look up at the end of the game and be like, wow, RJ Barrett played 14 minutes in this game or 16 minutes in this game. Do I think that would raise sufficient enough alarm bells around the league such that other teams, if they were to negotiate with the Knicks during the summertime, would be
2: like, dude, we all saw it. There's no putting the cat back in the bag. Like, again, I think the, the,
1: I think the book is already out on in terms of people around the league recognizing that like RJ Barrett is no longer the apple of Leon Rose's eye and that they do want to parlay him into something. But I do think that that added that if that happened, it would add enough fuel to the fire to the point where it would make teams even more demanding in terms of what they would ask for in an RJ centric trade. Again, to be, but to be very clear, not that I think anyone is paying the price of like what RJ could be right now, and I, I honestly I'm not sure that there's. and I mean, maybe he comes out after the All Star break and just goes on an absolute freaking tear. But guess what? If that's the case, I don't
2: think maybe they're not trading him. You know, so it's such a complicated situation slash scenario. Um, but to
1: answer your question most directly, Frank, like how will it? impact their offseason plans. I think they want to trade for a star regardless. Uh it would just make their life a little harder. You know? Um and again, Matt, to answer your question, what would I do about RJ Barrett if I was Leon Rose? Like I I would I would sit back and see how the rest of the season went. And then you know he has information that I don't in terms of seeing the behind the scenes. Um so I yeah it's tough for me to answer that. Urim Lekaj Hey, John. How about those two open roster spots? What would you tr- would you try young prospects? Um, he mentions Bull Marrow, who just got uh, waived by somebody. I forget. To ch- or try out some available vets. Thanks. I think I said like a week ago. I think they're just going to get some hardworking end of the bench types, good practice players. We, uh, Michael Scotto of Hoopsype, reported um, as I'm recording this today, so Friday, February 17th, that they're going to maybe convert. DeQuan Jeffries from a two-way into a full NBA contract, I think that's fine. I just maybe if there's a young player you want to try to try to take a flyer on, I there's no one out there that I see. Like to me, it'd be more of like a young player, but who is more of a like an end of the bench type, a guy that maybe if you really develop him, he could contribute as like a rotation player someday. I would do that more than like, hey, this guy was a real prospect once upon a time. Let's see if we can find what everybody else was missing. Like uh, when they signed freaking what the guy was the guy's Henry Ellison a few years ago, who was like the 17th pick in the draft and they, they signed him to a two way deal. I think like I wouldn't go for someone like that. Matt asks, who's your favorite current Nick and why answered that already. Jalen Brunson. Um, (laughs) my God, (laughs) Ronaldo Bachman, super fan. Where does Cam Reddish rank among the 527 Knicks players ever top 450 question mark. Yeah. I think he sneaks in there. Um, Alex Canzone, another RJ centric trade question. If the Knicks can't get a star trade done this offseason, do you think they could keep RJ past this offseason or swap him for a similar similar salary that can contribute more, like a Bridges or an OG? Um, they, they like both of those guys. You're talking RJ plus multiple first round picks, not and like McCall. Oh my God! Like I don't I, I don't even want to say out loud what I'm thinking about what the Nets would ask for in addition to RJ in exchange for McCall Bridges. And I don't think the Knicks would pay it because I don't think they could afford to give up that much in addition to RJ. OG, it, I again, I don't know. We've heard a lot about what the market for OG and Ananobi is. I don't, I don't feel like I have a great feel for what that market actually is. Like, could the Knicks offer RJ plus all of their protected first rounders, or like maybe all but one of their protected first rounders and like one future unprotected with a swap in between? Plus RJ and get OG like, I don't. Maybe would they do that? I don't know. Do I want them to do that? Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe. I I don't know. That's a tough one, but it would be something like that. I would think about it for sure. Uh, frank Levy asks, "What's with Rokas Yokobitis? I have no idea. I don't expect to ever see him in a Nick uniform. If I'm being frank, um, he probably comes over when he knows he's going to have a significant role with the team, and I don't think that's going to be with the Knicks. 2020 Randall asks, John, what do you think RJ could, should do to regain his confidence in his jumper? I'm concerned that our military might mistake his UFOs. Oh, my God. For spy balloons. We all know that RJ isn't as bad as he's been lately. I Man, this is where it's like I'm very clearly not an athlete. I've never played sports at anywhere close to like a forget about a high level. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I just, I really don't know. I feel like it. it, Someone from the organization, or multiple someone's from the organization, should have a heart to heart with him. Not trying to sell him on something that isn't true. Like, hey, you're a part of our foundation. We're gonna be with you through the thin. We don't care how many jumpers you miss. Just keep after it. Um, But like, just a real, genuine conversation. Like, hey, man, look. Like, just you're a scorer. Keep getting after it and. The chips are going to fall where they may, but you know we believe in you. I, I mean, I don't even know what how that conversation goes. Honestly, I don't know how that conversation goes, but
2: someone needs to talk to them. Um, and also like, you know, getting in the gym, putting up shots, it's probably a good idea. Can't hurt, right? Uh, okay. I think,
1: I think I have a couple other bonus ones. So I I texted a good friend of the pod and friend of the newsletter in particular. Ray Marcano. Give me a question because he always gives me a good question. So um Ray Marcano asks, uh, Josh Hart is likely to decline his 23, 24, uh, $12.9 million player option.
2: What will he likely command on the open market and will the Knicks pay it? The Knicks are going to pay whatever it takes to get him. I think I'm just going to steal my answer from Bobby Marks. Bobby Marks after
1: the trade was made, I think spitballed a number in the fifteen to seventeen million dollar annual range
2: for Josh Hart. Um, I think that makes sense. 15, 16, something like that. Um, you know, four for sixty.
1: You don't usually see four years for a a player of Josh Hart's caliber.
2: You usually see something more like three years. Would they go four? Maybe get to get a little bit of a a, a break. Um, here's another one would
1: they try to get him to uh, a contract structure that would allow them to get the maximum available cap space in 2024 if, if that's the way they want to go. So for instance, the way you might do that, if it's four for 60 would be, or four for like 56, even maybe, I don't know if you, I don't know if you do that. Maybe if, if you gave him a player option on the last year, but like, let's say four for 60 to make the math easier. 4 for 60, start out at 15 million, decline by the maximum 8% allowable. So that means the salary goes down for 2024, 25, and then increase by the maximum 8% allowable for 25, 26. And then on the final year of the deal, increase by the maximum 8% allowable once again. Something like that sort of contract structure. If 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 they want cap space in 2024, which i suspect they might, and then one one more bonus question for from Ray um, Deuce has shown he could be a very nice role player with his limitations, shooting and size, and it makes him an imperfect fit on a team with small guards. Which other teams would he be a good um a good fit for with given his skills? Here's the tough one, Ray is like I believe
2: in Deuce. I don't know that there's any team that is going to look at a small guard
1: who is an offensive question mark. And again, we're talking about like a team that's like their goal is to eventually win a championship, right? Cause that's every team's goal. So who, who what team is going to look at and be like, even if we have, even if we like the Clippers, the Clippers have a, a ton of wings, right. And the Clippers are all about defense and switchable defense on the whole thing. Like, are they going to be like, yeah, sure. We don't have another small guard. So he's a better fit for us. He just needs to show that he can be a consistently productive offensive player. I think he was moving in that direction with the Knicks before he got excised from the rotation, which is why my answer is I think he can work just fine here as a backup to the starting point guard. I think that's fine. I think he's always going to be a backup. So if you're only talking about a player who's going to play 10 to 15, maybe 20 minutes a game, you know, on the right night, what like, What, you know, what does he really need to do to earn that? He just needs to be a consistent offensive player, knock down open jumpers, take them, fire away with regularity, um, make enough of them, put the ball on the floor if the situation calls for it, make the right pass, you know, be productive around the rim when you have a a good look, like get fouled occasionally. Dude never gets
2: fouled. Um, go up strong, be better around the rim. He needs to be better around the rim. And, um, I have to say this. If you're a defense first guard and you're that size, you kind of have to
1: be perfect defensively. And he's been excellent defensively. I don't know that he's been perfect. So maybe improve the defense a little bit too. I know that's probably sacrilegious. Um, and
2: then let me see if I got one more. I, I, I asked him. I don't know if he came through with an answer yet. Let's see here. Yes, he did. I think this is going to be the last one. Good day, it's your boy, John. This is from Robert Cross.
1: The setting. We are sitting here on the eve of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. Imagine if your New York Knicks find themselves ready to take the floor
2: tomorrow. How did they get here was the catalyst. Hashtag 53 wins. Okay. This is a tricky one because Robert is asking me, to not just forecast one playoff series win, but two. And
1: it would be easy for me to be like, oh, they get to the five seed, they play the Cavs and they beat the Cavs. Because I can see that. I can see them beating the Cavs. It's not crazy. But then if you do that, you're facing Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I just, for the life of me, I don't see them being beating Boston. I also don't see them beating Milwaukee, a healthy Milwaukee team. I, I, and all due respect to Milwaukee's half court, offensive flaws, I just don't think it's a great matchup for them. And I understand Jalen Brunston had a nice last game against Drew Holiday. I just, I just don't see it. So I think here's the path. Philly goes on the run of all runs and gets the one seed. We face off against Cleveland. And or well, no. Well, I was about to now I'm thinking about, okay, well, what if we fall to six? Cleveland moves up to three. Philly falls down to
2: four. We beat Cleveland 6-3. Philly beats Boston in in round 2. No, wait,
1: that, then we're still in round two. No, 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 that doesn't work either. Okay. Yeah. So we're doing we're doing mixed Cavs 4-5. Philly moves up to 1. We face Philly in the second round. Is there a universe in which I could see us beating the Philadelphia 76ers only because that team imploded once in a series it was supposed to win?
2: Why can't they implode again? Um, if they just if everybody if everybody else clams up around Embiid and Harden pulls a Harden, um, I don't know. Probably
1: would take an injury. I don't know who the injury would have to be. Maybe Embiid get maybe Embiid gets dinged up, or maybe Embiid enters that season dinged up or a series dinged up. Maybe that's it. Um, that would be the best. That would be the best answer that I would have. Um and you know what? On that note, I just did I just did one more refresh on Twitter. And the first question I see, here we go. This is from, this will be the last one, from Krunoslav. RJ Obi Mitch this year's first round pick which we we actually don't have to trade. <laughs> so, first round picks in 24, 26, 28 and 30, we could do that trade after this draft. Not our not this year's first round pick, but 24, 26, 30, 28 and 30. Swaps in 25, 27 and 29. Would this be the offer for Embiid in July? Is it too much? It is not too much. Bring me Joel Embiid. And that is how we will end this pod. Thank you, everybody, for checking out another edition of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Hope you enjoyed. Um, Don't forget, uh, we got good stuff coming up uh, end of this week, pre-games, post-games, the whole thing. I will be back live and in full living color before you know it. And uh, yeah, thanks for the questions, everybody on Twitter. Uh, Sorry, I couldn't get to all of them if there were some other people who submitted some questions later, Uh, but... Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy All Star Break, everybody. And we will talk to you soon. Peace out.